0: As you uh, know clearly by now, I love idioms. I love figures of speech. And I think the reason I like idioms so much is that they they so often present sort of a, a visual picture that helps us to understand some kind of abstract thoughts. And so uh, as I read this week's text from Acts chapter 14, 1 to 7, an idiom popped into my mind that I think is appropriate. And that idiom is digging in your heels. Now, when I think of digging in my heels, I think of the old uh, country picnic game called tug of war, where people dig in their heels. They dig in their heels to resist change. They dig in their heels to resist being pulled to one side. And actually they dig in their heels to try to draw people over to themselves. The opposite of digging in your heels is not an idiom that I'm aware of, but it's a word. It's agility. Agility. The gentleman on the right side is showing agility, which is the ability to quickly change directions, to be able to react quickly, to move effectively. I believe that as Christians, we are called to a life of spiritual agility. We are not called to a life of digging in our heels. As Paul and Barnabas made their way around the Roman Empire preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, they met with some stiff opposition. Usually it came from the religious elite, the Jewish leadership who were viscerally opposed to change. And so they encounter this again now in a place called Iconium. They've left the city in Antioch where they met opposition and now they're on to another town called Iconium. I read in Acts 14, 1-7 these words. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. So we have here, in this instance, Jewish leaders who were presented with such a powerful message of the gospel that many people came to put their faith in Jesus Christ as the long-awaited Messiah, as the one who would come and be the Lamb who took away the sins, their sins, the sins of the world. Here they are, they're presented with this incredible truth, but there were some who just dug in their heels, even though they were presented with such an incredible presentation of the gospel, which was coupled in this case with signs and wonders or supernatural stuff. They still, they dug in their heels, and they pulled with all their might to try to drag others to their side of being enemies of the gospel, of being on the wrong side of history. In verse 4, we continue reading. The people of the city were divided, some with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among them, both Jews and Gentiles, together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it, that's Paul and Barnabas, and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel so vehement was their opposition these Jewish leaders and their Gentile friends that they were willing to even torture and kill Paul and Barnabas stone them to death now that is digging in your heels now believe it or not This visceral reaction against the the gospel still happens today. We're pretty much immune from it, really, here in North America. There's some persecution beginning, but we hear reports of messengers and ambassadors for the gospel, people who are just simply trying to live their life as Christians, literally being persecuted and brutally killed. But this really is not the focus of my message this morning. Instead, I want to refer to this phenomenon of resistance, of digging in one's heels at a much more accessible level. I want to bring it home because there is a persistent spirit within the church among certain individuals who have dug in their heels to the good news of Jesus Christ and to the gospel. And you heard me right. I said within the church. And I, and I want to call out that spirit today, because I want to suggest to you that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to a life that requires us not to dig our heels in, but to be spiritually agile, to spiritual agility. Now, I'm keenly aware that that this topic um, could be fertile ground for misunderstanding. So, I want to be very, very clear in what I'm saying. Spiritual agility, as I think of it, is this. It, It is not, first of all, embracing a changing orthodoxy. What do I mean by that? It is not embracing a changing orthodoxy. I use that term orthodoxy because it's just a really good word to sum up all that is essential to what we believe as Christians. Orthodoxy just simply means that which we hold to be bedrock truth. Things like scripture, which we believe is inerrant, has no flaws, is perfect and is inspired by God. That is part of our orthodoxy, right? So when we talk about orthodoxy, we're just talking about the fundamental things that we believe. And so spiritual agility is not embracing a changing orthodoxy, which I'll explain in a second, but it is embracing an orthodoxy of change, meaning that that which we hold to be true calls us to change. The truth doesn't change, but the truth changes us, in other words. If you go to my library, you'll see a book there called A Generous Orthodoxy by a guy called Brian McLaren. Now, it has been called, that particular book, a manifesto for the emerging church. The emerging church is... um, a reaction to churches that are dying and that are not seeking to be effective in the culture, the postmodern culture of our day. The exact title I love, <laughs> A Generous Orthodoxy. Why I am a missional, evangelical, post-Protestant, liberal, conservative, mystical, poetical, poetic, Biblical, charismatic, contemplative, fundamentalist, Calvinist, out-of-Baptist, Anglican, Methodist, Catholic, green, incarnational, depressed, yet hopeful, emergent, unfinished Christian. That's the title. And as someone who's concerned that in the West Christianity is becoming marginalized because it is becoming irrelevant, I was drawn to this book. Because this book is trying to say that we need to get out of a certain way of doing things so that we can be more effective. But as I read it, I also realized that there's some kind of a nagging spirit to this book that is just slightly off. And uh, it's hard for me to really voice it, but I found a very good professor out of Biola University, a good Christian university in the States, California, um, who says this. This is the issue with this idea of a generous orthodoxy. McLaren, who's the the writer of this book, hopes to convince readers that evangelicalism needs, to, needs an overhaul because it's lost touch with the culture and has confused the preservation of theological orthodoxy, in this sense, just correct doctrine, with the central mission of the church. He thinks, now this is really important, what Christians believe is less important than how they behave. So his book calls for a shift to a new kind of orthodoxy, a generous orthodoxy that emphasizes right behavior over right belief and therefore can encompass a wide spectrum of beliefs even if they're contradictory. You sort of see the seed that's problematic there? He's calling for a change in what we believe so that we could be relevant in the culture in which we live. And when I say we need to be spiritual, spiritually agile, we need spiritual agility, that scripture calls us to be people that are willing to move and react and change. I'm not talking about embracing a changing orthodoxy. It is however spiritual agility that is is embracing an orthodoxy of change. You see our orthodoxy what we believe is a call to change. It's progressive and requires spiritual agility to constantly be ready to grow to develop to respect to sorry to respond to the spirit's leading and prompt There's two ways that I think that the Holy Spirit moves us and calls us to agility, calls us to being willing to change instead of just digging in our heels. One is deepening our understanding. Truth doesn't change, but what we are capable of understanding does change. My my, I got a lot of smart people in my family. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not one of them. But I got some real smart folks, and I have a brother-in-law, who is, in my estimation, brilliant. Um, and and as he studied philosophy, he said something to me, which is, you know, it's it's. Pretty wildly held feeling, I think. And that is that the the more you know, the more you understand you don't know. (laughs) Right? The the deeper you get into things, the more you appreciate what you don't know. All right? And and this is the same with truth. Jesus said to his disciples, I got to get out of here because you need to have the Spirit leading you into truth. is that interesting? I need to lead so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you, and the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into truth. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So as Christians who are seeking to be true followers of Jesus Christ, We need to be spiritually agile, which means that we need to be willing to enter into truth and be open to what it teaches us. Truth is big. (laughs) There's a lot there. This is why when you read your scriptures, doesn't matter how many times you read it, there will be something new for you as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. You know, this is exactly what we've been witnessing in Acts. And it has to do with this idea of God's plan of redemption not just being for the Jews, which which it was never intended to be. Take, for instance, when God called Abraham He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And then he said something that's very specific to what we've been seeing going on in the book of Acts. That you will be a blessing to all nations. Which means that this salvation that will come from you, Abraham, even though you're one guy. And you're going to start having a family, which is going to grow into a nation is not just for you or your family or the nation of Israel, but it is for all people. And so, when we see in Acts the apostles starting to understand this more clearly, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, but he was He came to save not just the Jews, or Israel, but the whole world. It was as though a mystery had been revealed to them. It's as though some scales fell off of their eyes and they were finally able to see. Paul writes to the Colossians, I've become, he's writing about himself, I've become its servant, the gospel, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Paul wrote, he said, that Christ came to destroy the barrier between Gentiles and Jews. He writes that there would be neither Greek nor Jews in Christ. So, You can see that this truth was always there, but it's only as the Spirit worked in the apostles that we see this coming to life of this greater vision of salvation. It was not just particularly for a particular people, but it was for the whole earth, for all people, all the world. This is why Paul said also that <laughs> I think he's writing yeah, right to the Corinthians. He says, "You know, I've been giving you guys milk. You know, who drinks? Who has milk as their diet? Well, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Apparently, milk is out. <laughs> but anyways, children, right?" Babies, They drink milk. It's what they drink, right? But they're babies. Paul says to these people in Corinth, I've just been giving you milk. You're not ready for solid food. But I got solid food that I could give you if you're ready for it. See, this is this idea of of going into truth, learning, growing, developing, this is what we're called to. We are called to change. We are called to learn and to grow in Christ. But secondly, in orthodoxy, our orthodoxy of change calls us into new experiences. We read in Galatians 5: Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Well, what does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? Other than that, it means that we need to move upon the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit will prompt us if we are willing to be spiritually agile. But if we've dug in our heels and we don't do that, then we are not going to experience what the Holy Spirit has for us to experience. Do you remember the account of Peter and the God, uh, his God-ordained encounter with Cornelius, the Gentile? It was all orchestrated by the Spirit. In Acts 10, if you remember, we read, While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Oh, that's just Bible times. We can't expect to experience God in that way. God doesn't direct us. The Holy Spirit doesn't, you know, kind of prompt us to do things. That's just for the holy people in the Bible. Well, that's not true. (laughs) We need to keep in step with the Spirit. We need to be willing to be spiritually agile and move with the Spirit as the Spirit directs. It's not just meant for the Bible times. The Holy Spirit's job, one of them, is to lead us and direct us as we should go. So, we are called to be spiritually agile in that we are called to grow in our understanding and we are to be willing to be prompted and moved by the Holy Spirit to do things. This requires spiritual agility. It is the opposite of spiritual dug in my heels. The guy that I want to use is the classic example of dug in my heels, is the guy called Jonah. He's classic. Even after God forced him to fulfill his mission, which was to go and uh, tell the people of Nineveh, a pagan city in a pagan country, enemies of the Jews, even after God forced him to do this, he pouted and kicked and screamed because He knew God was compassionate. He hated the Ninevites. Not God. Jonah. He hated them. And he didn't want to go on a mercy mission for a loving God. He dug in his heels. He says, Isn't this what I said when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing. He's talking to God. this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish I know that you are gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love a God who relents from sending calamity now Lord it's better that I die dug in his heels the Ninevites are scum I don't care what God says even if he sends, sends me on this mission of mercy. I'll do it just because I don't have any chance and I don't want to be eaten by a whale again. <laughs> I'll do it. But I'm not going to be happy about it. He's a classic example. you would rather die than be moved to be compassionate. So my question for you this morning is, have you dug in your heels, or are you developing spiritual agility? I've observed over my many years, <laughs> I can say that now, <laughs> not a lot of joy in that, <laughs> that there is within each, us, each of us, I believe, a kind of this default condition that we we, we want to establish a solid framework out of which we respond to our world or react with our world. Uh, It's a framework that we build over time and, and we filter all of our experiences, our observations, and our reactions through this consistent filter. We resist anything that seeks to upend our framework. We become entrenched. And the security of that fortress that we've built around us is stabilizing. We dig in our heels. It's human nature. We have to be able to interpret our world. And so we build a framework from which we can interpret our world. Have you ever thought about this and this is why camp ministry is so important, this is why uh, children's ministry is so important children have yet to build their fortress and they are willing to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ but the older we get to accept the truth of the gospel becomes almost a betrayal of who we are, and therefore it's extremely hard for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ the older we get. Just look at the politics south of the border, ooh, dangerous territory, (laughs) here we go. Look at the politics south of the border, this idea of bipartisanship has become unachievable because both parties down there have dug in. They're polar opposites, and they've even created sources of information or truth that support their frameworks. And then consequently they call the other news Fake news. But they both call each other's news, fake news. Because they're so dug in. They're so polarized. Many people who identify as Christians go to church and allow Christianity to be just one plank in their framework. They accessorize their lives with a little church. But they don't allow their faith to radically change them or what they believe or who they are. They have dug in. They have no interest in growing or developing or any of this crazy stuff, crazy talk, about being led by the Spirit. Not interesting. But Christianity is for the spiritually agile. Scripture presents the Christian experience very differently. It calls us to a life of agility, a life where we are willing, to learn more, to challenge our long-held beliefs, to be transformed, to be led into new experiences, to respond to the Spirit. This is what it is to be a Christian. It is not buying into some stable set paradigm and then digging in your heels. It is a call to change. It is a call to become something that we aren't and to experience things that we've never anticipated. We don't want to be like those people in Iconium and Pisidian Antioch who just dug in their heels and resisted the truth, even though the truth was presented to them with signs and wonders. They dug in their heels. We want to be spiritually agile people who are open to what the Lord has for us. I believe that's what it is to be a Christian. I think that a Christianity without spiritual agility is probably not a Christian. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, that Paul and Barnabas were willing to respond to the Spirit's leading and to go on this missionary journey. They were willing to lay their lives on the line They were willing to forsake everything for the truth. Lord, help us to be very careful about not getting set in our ways, building a framework out of which we see our world and react in our world, a framework of our own construction. Help us, Lord Jesus, to embrace the change that you have for us. Help those of us who are bitter to become people who love us. Help us who are afraid of change to embrace change. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day. Next week, there was a big debate whether or not we would uh, remember our veterans and Remembrance Day today or Sunday, next Sunday. We decided next week, if you're a purist, please forgive us. (laughs) Get out on Saturday. Support those people that are remembering. God bless.